chapter twelve of my bondage and my freedom by frederick douglass this librivox recording is in the public domain religious nature awakened abolitionists spoken of my eagerness to know what this word meant my consultation of the dictionary incendiary information how and where derived the enigma solved nathaniel turner's insurrection the cholera religion first awakened by a methodist minister named hansom my dear and good old colored friend lawson his character and occupation his influence over me our mutual attachment the comfort i derived from his teaching new hopes and aspirations heavenly light amidst earthly darkness the two irishmen on the wharf their conversation how i learned to write what were my aims whilst in the painful state of mind described in the foregoing chapter almost regretting my very existence because doomed to a life of bondage so goaded and so wretched at times that i was even tempted to destroy my own life i was yet keenly sensitive and eager to know any and everything that transpired having any relation to the subject of slavery i was all ears all eyes whenever the word slave slavery dropped from the lips of any white person and the occasions were not unfrequent when these words became leading ones in high social debate at our house every little while i could overhear master hugh or some of his company speaking with much warmth and excitement about abolitionists of who or what these were i was totally ignorant i found however that whatever they might be they were most cordially hated and soundly abused by slaveholders of every grade i very soon discovered too that slavery was in some sort under consideration whenever the abolitionists were alluded to this made the term a very interesting one to me if a slave for instance had made good his escape from slavery it was generally alleged that he had been persuaded and assisted by the abolitionists if also a slave killed his master as was sometimes the case or struck down his overseer or set fire to his master's dwelling or committed any violence or crime out of the common way it was certain to be said that such a crime was the legitimate fruits of the abolition movement hearing such charges often repeated i naturally enough received the impression that abolition whatever else it might be could not be unfriendly to the slave nor very friendly to the slaveholder i therefore set about finding out if possible who and what the abolitionists were and why they were so obnoxious to the slaveholders the dictionary afforded me very little help it taught me that abolition was the act of abolishing but it left me in ignorance at the very point where i most wanted information and that was as to the thing to be abolished a city newspaper the baltimore american gave me the incendiary information denied me by the dictionary in its columns i found that on a certain day a vast number of petitions and memorials had been presented to congress praying for the abolition of slavery in the district of columbia and for the abolition of the slave trade between the states of the union this was enough the vindictive bitterness the marked 
caution the studied reserve and the cumbrous ambiguity practised by our white folks when alluding to this subject was now fully explained ever after that when i heard the words abolition or abolition movement mentioned i felt the matter one of a personal concern and i drew near to listen when i could do so without seeming too solicitous and prying there was hope in those words ever and anon too i could see some terrible denunciation of slavery in our papers copied from abolition papers at the north and the injustice of such denunciation commented on these i read with avidity i had a deep satisfaction in the thought that the rascality of slaveholders was not concealed from the eyes of the world and that i was not alone in abhorring the cruelty and brutality of slavery a still deeper train of thought was stirred i saw that there was fear as well as rage in the manner of speaking of the abolitionists the latter therefore i was compelled to regard as having some power in the country and i felt that they might possibly succeed in their designs when i met with a slave to whom i deemed it safe to talk on the subject i would impart to him so much of the mystery as i had been able to penetrate thus the light of this grand movement broke in upon my mind by degrees and i must say that ignorant as i then was of the philosophy of that movement i believed in it from the first and i believed in it partly because i saw that it alarmed the consciences of slaveholders the insurrection of nathaniel turner had been quelled but the alarm and terror had not subsided the cholera was on its way and the thought was present that god was angry with the white people because of their slaveholding wickedness and therefore his judgments were abroad in the land it was impossible for me not to hope much from the abolition movement when i saw it supported by the almighty and armed with death previous to my contemplation of the anti-slavery movement and its probable results my mind had been seriously awakened to the subject of religion i was not more than thirteen years old when i felt the need of god as a father and protector my religious nature was awakened by the preaching of a white methodist minister named hansen he thought that all men great and small bond and free were sinners in the sight of god that they were by nature rebels against his government and that they must repent of their sins and be reconciled to god through christ i cannot say that i had a very distinct notion of what was required of me but one thing i knew very well i was wretched and had no means of making myself otherwise moreover i knew that i could pray for light i consulted a good colored man named charles johnson and in tones of holy affection he told me to pray and what to pray for i was for weeks a poor broken-hearted mourner travelling through the darkness and misery of doubts and fears i finally found that change of heart which comes by casting all one's care upon god and by having faith in jesus christ as the redeemer friend and saviour of those who diligently seek him after this i saw the world in a new light i seemed to live in a new world surrounded by new objects 
and to be animated by new hopes and desires i loved all mankind slaveholders not excepted though i abhorred slavery more than ever my great concern was now to have the world converted the desire for knowledge increased and especially did i want a thorough acquaintance with the contents of the bible i have gathered scattered pages from this holy book from the filthy street gutters of baltimore and washed and dried them that in the moments of my leisure i might get a word or two of wisdom from them while thus religiously seeking knowledge i became acquainted with a good old colored man named lawson a more devout man than he i never saw he drove a dray for mr james ramsay the owner of a rope walk on fells point baltimore this man not only prayed three times a day but he prayed as he walked through the streets at his work on his dray everywhere his life was a life of prayer and his words when he spoke to his friends were about a better world uncle lawson lived near master hugh's house and becoming deeply attached to the old man i went often with him to prayer-meeting and spent much of my leisure time with him on sunday the old man could read a little and i was a great help to him in making out the hard words for i was a better reader than he i could teach him the letter but he could teach me the spirit and high refreshing times we had together in singing praying and glorifying god those meetings with uncle lawson went on for a long time without the knowledge of master hugh or my mistress both knew however that i had become religious and they seemed to respect my conscientious piety my mistress was still a professor of religion and belonged to class her leader was no less a person than the rev beverly waugh the presiding elder and now one of the bishops of the methodist episcopal church mr waugh was then stationed over wilk street church i am careful to state these facts that the reader may be able to form an idea of the precise influences which had to do with shaping and directing my mind in view of the cares and anxieties incident to the life she was then leading and especially in view of the separation from religious associations to which she was subjected my mistress had as i have before stated become lukewarm and needed to be looked up by her leader this brought mr waugh to our house and gave me an opportunity to hear him exhort and pray but my chief instructor in matters of religion was uncle lawson he was my spiritual father and i loved him intensely and was at his house every chance i got this pleasure was not long allowed me master hugh became averse to my going to father lawson's and threatened to whip me if i ever went there again i now felt myself persecuted by a wicked man and i would go to father lawson's notwithstanding the threat the good old man had told me that the lord had a great work for me to do and i must prepare to do it and that he had been shown that i must preach the gospel his words made a deep impression on my mind and i verily felt that some such work was before me though i could not see how i should ever engage in its performance 
the good lord he said would bring it to pass in his own good time and that i must go on reading and studying the scriptures the advice and the suggestions of uncle lawson were not without their influence upon my character and destiny he threw my thoughts into a channel from which they have never entirely diverged he fanned my already intense love of knowledge into a flame by assuring me that i was to be a useful man in the world when i would say to him how can these things be and what can i do his simple reply was trust in the lord when i told him that i was a slave and a slave for life he said the lord can make you free my dear all things are possible with him only have faith in god ask and it shall be given if you want liberty said the good old man ask the lord for it in faith and he will give it to you thus assured and cheered on under the inspiration of hope i worked and prayed with a light heart believing that my life was under the guidance of a wisdom higher than my own with all other blessings sought at the mercy seat i always prayed that god would of his great mercy and in his own good time deliver me from my bondage i went one day on the wharf of mr waters and seeing two irishmen unloading a large scow of stone or ballast i went on board and asked and helped them when we had finished the work one of the men came to me aside and asked me a number of questions and among them if i were a slave i told him i was a slave and a slave for life the good irishman gave his shoulders a shrug and seemed deeply affected by the statement he said it was a pity so fine a little fellow as myself should be a slave for life they both had much to say about the matter and expressed the deepest sympathy with me and the most decided hatred of slavery they went so far as to tell me that i ought to run away and go to the north that i should find friends there and that i would be as free as anybody i however pretended not to be interested in what they said for i feared they might be treacherous white men have been known to encourage slaves to escape and then to get the reward they have kidnapped them and returned them to their masters and while i mainly inclined to the notion that these men were honest and meant me no ill i feared it might be otherwise i nevertheless remembered their words and their advice and looked forward to an escape to the north as a possible means of gaining the liberty for which my heart panted it was not my enslavement at the then present time that most affected me the being a slave for life was the saddest thought i was too young to think of running away immediately besides i wished to learn how to write before going as i might have occasion to write my own pass i now not only had the hope of freedom but a foreshadowing of the means by which i might some day gain that inestimable boon meanwhile i resolved to add to my educational attainments the art of writing after this manner i began to learn to write i was much in the shipyard master hughes and that of durgan and bailey and i observed that the carpenters after hewing and getting a piece of timber ready for use wrote on it the initials of the name of that part of the ship for which it was intended 
when for instance a piece of timber was ready for the starboard side it was marked with a capital s a piece for the larboard side was marked l larboard forward l f larboard aft was marked l a starboard aft s a and starboard forward s f i soon learned these letters and for what they were placed on the timbers my work was now to keep fire under the steam box and to watch the shipyard while the carpenters had gone to dinner this interval gave me a fine opportunity for copying the letters named i soon astonished myself with the ease with which i made the letters and the thought was soon present if i can make four i can make more but having made these easily when i met boys about bethel church or any of our playgrounds i entered the lists with them in the art of writing and would make the letters which i had been so fortunate as to learn and ask them to beat that if they could with playmates for my teachers fences and pavements for my copy-books and chalk for my pen and ink i learned the art of writing i however afterward adopted various methods of improving my hand the most successful was copying the italics in webster's spelling-book until i could make them all without looking on the book by this time my little master tommy had grown to be a big boy and had written over a number of copy-books and brought them home they had been shown to the neighbours had elicited due praise and were now laid carefully away spending my time between the shipyard and house i was as often the lone keeper of the latter as of the former when my mistress left me in charge of the house i had a grand time i got master tommy's copy-books and a pen and ink and in the ample spaces between the lines i wrote other lines as nearly like his as possible the process was a tedious one and i ran the risk of getting a flogging for marring the highly prized copy-books of the oldest son in addition to these opportunities sleeping as i did in the kitchen loft a room seldom visited by any of the family i got a flour-barrel up there and a chair and upon the head of that barrel i have written or endeavoured to write copying from the bible and the methodist hymn-book and other books which had accumulated on my hands till late at night and when all the family were in bed and asleep i was supported in my endeavours by renewed advice and by holy promises from the good father lawson with whom i continued to meet and pray and read the scriptures although master hugh was aware of my going there i must say for his credit that he never executed his threat to whip me for having thus innocently employed my leisure time End of chapter twelve